Welcome back, MC2C family! This is the fourth episode in a six-part series where Daniel will be covering the five steps that every Mastering College to Career mentee learns. By the end of this week's episode, you'll know everything you need to know about networking. Also, don't forget to check out the first three episodes, and if you're listening to this in the future, don't forget to check out the next two. You're listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast, the show for first-generation and minority college students. Each episode will feature topics such as highlights and progress from students who have completed the MC2C mentoring program, networking opportunities, and unique insights and strategies from industry thought leaders. So, if you're looking for your guide to success, you're in the right place. Now, without further ado, let's get into the show. All right, all right, all right. Welcome to this episode of the Mastering College to Career Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to continue the Mastering College to Career Journey series. This is episode number four of the six-part series. And today, we will be talking about networking and getting you to a referral. There's a five-step process that I'm going to teach you today on how to go from a complete stranger to a referral. So if you're just tuning in, this is your first uh, episode of the series or the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And this last episode, we spoke about visibility. And the episode before that, we spoke about creating a clear target and why clarity is so important and is the foundation of this whole equation. Uh, so what we're going to do is today, we're going to focus on networking. And look, let me sell you on the idea of networking. Um, networking is key. Networking is king. Networking is queen. Networking is how 85% of individuals get their job. There's this thing called the hidden job market. And the hidden job market is where jobs are filled. Uh, I talk about this um, in my Instagram stories. I share examples of how recruiters from Johnson & Johnson, recruiters from Deloitte, recruiters from PepsiCo, recruiters from the top companies are often reaching out to me, see if I know individuals. Because here's the thing, right? This is not a surprise. People like to hire people they trust and know. And when people are looking to hire someone and bring in someone new to their team, the first thing they're going to go is say, who do I know? Who do I know that can be a great asset to my team, right? And the reality is that that's human behavior. And that's what's going to happen every single time, whether it's a level entry role, a CEO role. And the higher the stakes, the higher you want to hire someone that you know and trust at the same time, right? And I want you just to think about this, for example. I don't know if you're listening to this, but you've, you've played any sports, but let's say you did and you are looking to add two new team members to your soccer team. I play soccer all my life. I love soccer. So let's make this a soccer analogy, soccer example. You love sports and you're on a soccer team and maybe you got some players that got hurt. And now you're looking for a forward, someone who plays up front, who can score some goals. What's the first thing that happens, right? What is the coach going to do? The coach is going to go and go to the team and say, hey, all of you here, all 14 other players here, all 10 other players that are starting, are starters, that are studs, that are just awesome. Who do you know that plays soccer just as good as us or better? 
Who do you know is fast, has a good shot, that can score goals and help us win the championship, right? Before you even put out flyers, before you even have open tryouts, before you do all that, the first thing you do is always say, who do you know? Now, if the coach doesn't know anybody personally, he'll go to the team. And if the team doesn't know anybody personally, they're going to go to their friends and then maybe post it online, have flyers all around campus and so on. It works the same way in corporate America. It works the same way for my startup, right? For we have six employees looking for the seventh employee, right? What's the first thing I do? I literally had a team meeting yesterday and I said, team, okay, we're looking for A, B, and C. This is the qualities of the candidate that we're looking for. Who do you know? Now, we said if by next week, we can't find someone that we know, I know someone in the team knows, <clears throat> then we're going to post it up. We're going to go to an outside resource to help us find this individual. But the first step is always who we know. And that's how 85% of jobs are filled. That's why networking is so important. And if all you are doing is applying online, it will be the equivalent as me saying to you, hey, my, I, I have a strategy. I'm going to get rich. I'm going to be super rich. I'm going to get to $35 million net worth by the age of 35. You know how I'm going to do this? By playing the lottery. That is the same thing as saying, hey, I'm going to apply online and get my dream job. Like it's really, really rare. Does it happen? Sure. Do some people do it? Sure. But the vast majority of people that find their dream job, find a job with a great company, they do it through networking, they do it through referrals. Now, here's the reality. If you're like me, and most of my audience is, right, first generation, or they're minorities, or they're international students, this is tough. Networking is tough because you don't have the foundation. You don't have the family connections. Your uncle Bob does not run the company that you want to work for, right? Or your aunt is not the manager of the department you want to work for, right? So you might not have those relationships, right? You might not, like your network is actually people who didn't go to college. You might be the first one to go to college. So this is tough. So Daniel, Daniel, how do we do this? How are we going to do this? This is crazy. Well, I'm going to teach you. I am going to teach you our five-step formula, five-step process to go from a complete stranger to a referral. It's magical. It's magical. And I'm going to even do something better. If you're listening to this and you're new to me and you want for me to give you the scripts, the playbook, I call this the DM playbook, the, the DM blueprint, the decision maker blueprint, the DM. I'm going to help you slide into the DM of the decision makers all you have to do is connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn. Let me know you listen to this podcast and I'll give you this workbook that I have for my clients only. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you access to it. So what is the DM blueprint? Well, the DM blueprint is the five-step process from going from a complete stranger to a referral. Now, before we get started, understand this. Just like you wouldn't go to a random stranger and say, hey, can I marry you? you also would not go to the decision maker and ask them for a job or ask them for a referral. There needs to be a relationship built here, right? And there's a five-step process to building this relationship. There's a five-step process to building this relationship. The five steps are, one, the original connection. How to start their conversation. And I'm going to go into details. Number two, the first interaction. So you connected with them and you're having this first interaction how do you convert this first interaction and allow the conversation to keep going? Step number three is how do you, it's called the feedback loop. So how do you keep the conversation going? 
right? Just how do you make sure that the conversation doesn't get stale? Step number four is open jobs in their company and start the conversation for the referral. And then step number five, you ask for the referral. So let's break this down step by step uh, and give you the playbook. <clears throat> number one, the connection. So it's about finding the right people. We talked about this in the visibility stage. So how do we figure out who the right people are? And then we connect to them through them on LinkedIn. But how do we start the conversation? We found them. They've looked at our profile. Maybe they haven't. But how do we start the conversation? Numero uno. Number one, the connection. The key to the initial message is commonality. Is to find commonality. What do you and that person have in common? The more you have in common, the stronger the bond, the more likely they will reply. Now, something as simple as they were an alumni from the university. They were in the same major, right? They're from the same hometown. Maybe you're an international student from India and they were an international student from India that are now working in an American company. That's the connection. Maybe they like the same sports team. Maybe they're from the same hometown. Maybe they, um, they're passionate about the environment. They're, they're both vegan, right? Or they're both vegetarian or pescatarian, or they like the same sports, or they like the same sports team, right? Um, and so the more you can learn about them, the better, right? And hopefully this information is publicly on their LinkedIn, or you do a little Googling, but find that commonality, right? I talk about this a lot. Like I am from Colombia. I'm super proud of me being Colombian. Um, if I'm in Colombia, I just spend the whole month in Colombia, right? If I am in Colombia and I see someone wearing the Colombian national soccer team t uh, shirt, jersey, do I go and yell at them? The answer is no, right? Because there's so many of them, right? And it's like wearing the Colombian soccer shirt in Colombia is like that. That's the equivalent of wearing like if there was a an, a, a uniform for the country, that would be it. That would be the, the that would be the jersey, right? Um, so I wouldn't yell at it. I mean, Colombia, everybody's especially if it's a soccer game going on, everybody's wearing it. I'll, I'll get I lose my voice like I am right now yelling at it. But what if I'm in the United States and I see someone wearing the Colombian shirt on a game day? right? Instant bond. If I were to say, oh, Colombia, they would be like, oh, Colombia. And then we just instantly bond and we can get a conversation going. Same thing. If you see someone uh, wearing a university shirt, your university shirt. So I went to the university of central Florida. Uh, we're, we're knights, right? If I see someone in Orlando wearing a UCF shirt, I I'm not going to yell at them. There's so many of them. People have UCF license plates. They're everywhere, right? I'm assuming it's the same for your school. There's a lot of school pride. But if I'm in New York City, or I'm in California, or I'm in Dallas, or I'm in Colombia, or I am in Europe traveling, right, and I see someone with a UCF shirt, I am more likely to go to them and say, go Knights. Instant connection, right, instant connection, and that allows us to find commonality. We both went to the same university. We kind of understand the campus. We kind of understand, right? It allows something to start a conversation with. Now, is it always going to be that easy to find? No. But I'm just trying to talk through examples with you to allow you to think creatively of how you can start the conversation because the more commonality you have, the better. Think about if you're a female, right? Uh, a lot of my clients are females, right? They're going into male-dominated industries. There's not a lot of females in leadership. But if you start the conversation with that, letting them know like, hey, I understand there's not a lot of females in leadership in finance. I want to go into finance. would love to learn your experience, right? Find commonality. 
want to be a leader in finance, they've done it. <clears throat> That's a great way to connect. Um, that to me is the way to start. Find commonality in the connection. Now, once that first message goes, the likelihood of accepting your connection request will be extremely high, all depending on the commonality. The second step of this whole process is the first interaction. So here's the thing. Humans are selfish creatures. And because they're selfish creatures, it's always going to be about them, their goals, their concerns, their life, right? Um, imagine when you were growing up <clears throat> and you were probably in middle school and you, everything seemed like it was the biggest deal in the world. And now you look back and maybe you have a little brother, little sister, they're in middle school and they're freaking out about something. You're like, oh my God, it's not that big of a deal. Like your problems are so small. My problems are so much bigger. I have to worry about final exams in college, right? Now you might think final exams in college is the end of the world. I'm here to tell you that as you get older, those things become less and less important and you have bigger, bigger issues. Now, whatever I think is the big deal, like something related to my business, somebody that has kids would be like, you know what, Daniel? What you think is a big deal is not a big deal. Just wait until you have kids and something happens to them, right? So what I'm trying to say is there's always going to be the next big deal to you. So when you're having this conversation with someone, make the first conversation all about them. What's their big deal, right? What is it that they're worried about? How can you make the conversation about them? Because people are selfish creatures and people love to talk about themselves. So that's the key to step number two is to make the first conversation all about them, right? Ask them about their journey. Focus on what you two have in common. Try to have them speak 70 to 80% of the whole conversation. Now, this first conversation might be messages back and forth, and that's perfectly fine. And it's also important to ask them like, hey, you know, thank you so much for accepting my connection request. I would love to ask you a couple of questions about your career. And then, and, right? And that starts the conversation. And then ask them, look, I know you're super busy. I know there's a million things going on. Um, and what would be the best way of communication? Do you want me to ask you the questions here? Would a phone call work while you, maybe when you're commuting from work or coming back from work or would a Zoom work work or, or, or meeting in person is your preferred mode of communication, right? Now, if you're coming and saying, you know what, Daniel, that's great for you. You're probably super extroverted, uh, but like I have a really hard time. People want to, I really, I have a really hard time thinking that people actually want to speak to me and want to help me out. Think about it like this. If I were to ask you, if a high school kid came to you and asked you for 15 minutes of their time, of your time, sorry, to ask you about your experience at your particular university, would you give them time? Would you want to help them? Now, the odds are is that yes, you're gonna make time for them. Like, I mean, I've asked this when I do public speaking and it's like nine, 99% of people say, yes, I'll give them time to. Well, why would people change? You think well, that as soon as you graduate, as soon as you get your diploma, you become a jerk and you have no time for anybody? No, that's not true. People wanna help, people wanna help you, especially if you're a student, use the student card so people will connect with you. You just have to make sure that you are adjusting to their schedule, that you are adjusting to their mode of communication, that you're making the conversation interesting to them. And that's why making the conversation all about them is so important. Now, step number three is all about keeping the conversation going, right? You connected with them, you made it connection, you found commonality. 
then what you did is that you made the first conversation all about them, their career, their journey. You focus on the commonality. You allowed them to speak 75 to 80% of the time. Then this is how you end the first interaction is that you open up the feedback loop. What you want to do now is that you want to ask them a question. You want to ask them for some sort of advice. You're going to give yourself a test. Because here's the thing. It is never a lack of time. It's always a lack of priorities. And right now you're a stranger to them and you're not a priority to them, but we're going to make you a priority to them. We're going to make them, we're going to make your career journey a project that they want to be part of. And we do this by opening up the feedback loop. So what you do is you're going to ask them a question and you're just going to simply ask for advice. Okay. Something related to something that they can, that can, be answered in 10 to 30 seconds, but it's going to take you at least a couple of hours to do. Because what you're doing is giving yourself a test. People love to help, but people are also hate to waste time because time is the most valuable resource in the world. And so what you need to do is ask for advice. Hey, uh, what would be a great book to recommend if I want to go and start a business, Daniel? Or what would be a great book to recommend if I want to master the interview, right? So then me recommending a book to you might take me 10 seconds, right? It's not a lot of time on my end, but what would be great? What if you actually took their advice and executed on that strategy? What if you took the time to read that book? It took you four hours to read that book. It took you six hours to read that book. And you came back to me and said, you know what, Daniel? You know, that advice you gave me about that book, I took it. I read it. I took notes. I've executed what I've learned in the book. And here's the results. Right? That just proves that you are not wasting their time. That you value their expertise. That you value their time. You value their mentorship. Now, if you ask them for more stuff, if you ask them for more time, they're going to give it to you because what you did is you passed the test. You proved to them that anytime they invest in you, you're not taking it for granted and you're actually going to be able to execute. And that is the key. Because once you've done that, you have permission to come back, right? You had that first conversation. You finish up with the question, with the feedback loop. Two, three weeks later, you read the book. You watched the video. You watched the masterclass. You watched the LinkedIn learning. You watched the YouTube video. You read the article that they recommended. And you come back to that person and say, you know what? Thank you so much. I did what you asked me to do, what you suggested I do. I loved it. What other advice do you have? Do you mind if we continue this relationship? Oh, and by the way, thanks to your advice, I was able to do A, B, and C. Thanks, thank, thanks to your advice, I applied for where you told me to apply. Thanks to your advice, I took that LinkedIn learning course, right? And that shows you execute. Now, that's going to allow you to keep the relationship going. You can have multiple conversations back and forth. Advice, execute. Advice, execute. So it's three steps. Advice, execute, feedback, or keep them updated, right? Advice. You execute, you let them know how it went. You ask for more advice, you execute, you let them know how it went. Every time it's like a dominant effect. Every time you ask, you're, you're able to ask for more time because you're building and building on that relationship. Now, while you do this, and because the first conversation is all about them, 
their journey, their career, their company, where they work at, everything else. You want to then go and find a job that's currently open in their company, right? And you want to go back and say, hey, Maria, thank you so much for taking time to share about what you do at PepsiCo and sales. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I also love the book that you recommended. I learned so much from the book. I've already implemented some of those changes into my life and created new habits. But I did want to reach out to you because I found a job at PepsiCo in your company that I truly believe I'm the right fit for. Would you mind reviewing my resume before I submit the application online? I really value your opinion. And I would love to just get it before I apply because I really would love this job. Now, time out here. This is the fourth spot in this five-step process, which is the open job, where you find the job because you're asking them to review your resume before you apply. Now, this only works really well if you've already asked for some advice and you've executed because now they're really going to be inclined to review your resume because they know that whatever time they take to review your resume, you're actually going to take it and actually improve your resume. Like they're not wasting their time doing this, right? And that's magical. That then, right? So then they go and they give you feedback. You go and make that changes. And I go back to them and say, hey, Maria, thank you so much for your advice on my resume. I went ahead and made those changes. I just respect what you do so much and what you have given me. Now, look, Maria, before I apply, this is about step five. I'm about to ask for the referral without asking for the referral. Um, before I apply, is there anybody that you recommend me I connect with? Because I don't want my application to get lost in the hundreds of applicants you all get at PepsiCo. Um, I know you've already looked at my resume, but do you know someone in HR or the hiring manager for this particular role that you can connect me with or that I should connect with? Because I really want this job and I just, I'm afraid of just applying online and getting lost. Look, I have no problem applying online. I will apply, but what do you suggest? That, my friends, is the best, best, best way to ask for a referral without strictly being enforcing on it because you're kind of like giving them a layup. Like you're asking them for a, a connection a, uh, to a name, um, you're asking them for, for some help without being aggressive and saying, Hey, can I get a, your referral code? Or can I get the link? Or can I, can, can you do this? Like you're asked, you're kind of essentially making it really easy for them to say, you know what, Daniel, I know you want this job. I really do think you're the right fit. I enjoyed our conversation. Your resume looks great. Okay. She's already looked at it. Um, now I will refer to you. And that, my friends, is the magic right there. That is how you get referrals, how you get people on your side, how you build relationships. Now, look, you cannot skip steps. Like, you can skip maybe one or two steps, but it would be impossible for you to build a strong relationship from one to five. You might be able to skip one or two. You might be able to go from the connection to the open jobs. You might be able to go to right straight to the feedback loop and ask for advice right away. Uh, but the longer you, like the, the more of the steps you go through, the stronger the relationship, the stronger the referral, because not all referrals are created equal. And that is networking one-on-one. Now, in terms of who is the ideal person to connect with and build these referrals, number one ideal person is the hiring manager, uh, not the recruiter, the hiring manager, the person that's in charge of the department, the person that you would be calling your boss, he or she 
makes the final decision. The second best person is your future coworkers, the people that are currently doing the job or work in the department and report to the same person you do too. They have a lot of influence and a lot of say. The third best person is the recruiter or the HR person in that department. They can tell you no, but ultimately doesn't tell you yes. So they can cancel you and take you out of the, the, the system, but they ultimately don't make the decision if you get the job or not. That's actually the decision maker, the manager of the department. Now, the fourth best person is anybody else is working in the company. That is your priority of connection uh, that you should follow. Now, that is networking uh, one-on-one. That is how you go from a referral or from a complete stranger to a referral. And now it's up to you to do this next. Now, again, if you want the templates, the step-by-step guides on how to do this, we're here to help. This is what we do at Mastering College to Career. We help first-generation minority and international students land their dream jobs. We teach them how to properly build relationships like this. And if you want the, the guide that I give my clients, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or Instagram. Let me know you listen to this episode and I will give it to you. Again, these episodes are free. I do this to give you free content. But you know what you could do to help me in return? Give me a review. If you're listening to me on your iPhone or Apple, uh, give me a review. Those mean the world to me. And if you're not having shared this episode or sharing this podcast with one friend, that's all I'm asking you. One friend will make a big deal and allow me to grow my message, grow my 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 business, grow my everything. Um, so I would appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, this is episode four of a six-part series. Next week, we will be talking about the interview. So be there, be square. See you guys later. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Mastering College to Career podcast. We hope that you enjoyed the show. In an age of short attention spans, this speaks volumes about you. To ensure you never miss an episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give us a quick rating for the show. Just tap the number of stars that you think that the podcast deserves. Until next time, catch you guys on the next episode.